This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and you're listening to the DeFacto Leaders Podcast on the B Podcast Network, where I help pediatric therapists and educators become better leaders so they can make a bigger impact with their services. With over 15 years of experience supporting school-age kids with diverse learning needs, I'll share up-to-date evidence-based practices, my own experiences, and guest interviews designed to help clinicians, teachers, and aspiring school leaders feel more confident in the way they serve their students and clients. I'll cover a range of topics designed to help you support students' emotional and academic growth and set kids up for success in adulthood, including how to support language, literacy, executive functioning, as well as how to help IEP teams working together to support kids across the day. Whether you want to learn more effective strategies for your therapy sessions or classroom, be a more influential leader on your team, or find creative ways to use your skills to advance in your career, I've got you covered. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 150 of the DeFacto Leaders Podcast on the B Podcast Network. There's a difference between influence and control. Whether we're making suggestions to a coworker, asking a supervisor for support, setting expectations with kids, or interacting with someone in an online forum, we're all attempting to create behavioral change. In helping people professions, it's easy to get emotionally involved with our work. This makes it difficult to identify if there are actionable steps we can take to impact bigger systemic issues versus when we should put our heads down and focus on the work or people in front of us. Just how far should we go in trying to convince other people to act or think a certain way? When is it our job to speak up and when do we hit the point of diminishing returns? It's easy to let our thoughts spiral about these questions, especially when we have lingering feelings of guilt that we could be doing more. 
That's why I invited Candice Noss to episode 150 to talk about how educators and therapists can tame their thoughts surrounding leadership and advocacy and really all areas of their lives. Candice Noss is a dynamic and passionate speaker and coach renowned for transforming and elevating lives through her business, the Mind-Body-Spirit Trifecta. As an expert in cognitive behavioral therapy, along with over 20 years of experience as a physical therapist, Candice brings a wealth of confidence and real-world experience to every stage, course, and coaching engagement. By addressing the entire human trifecta, the mind, body, and spirit, Candice provides a powerful, holistic approach to confident, healthy living. Candice liberates and empowers others to genuinely thrive, which ripples into every facet of life. In this episode, you'll learn the difference between setting boundaries versus trying to control, and why making this distinction can reduce burnout and create space for your dream projects, allowing consequence versus forcing compliance. Can and should you try to make kids do their schoolwork or any other task they don't want to do? How to determine what is my job in this scenario when advocating for yourself, others, educating the public or coworkers or handling disagreements? Be sure to check the show notes for Candace's video called Self-Talk, Go from Crappy to Happy with One Simple Brain Hack. And definitely check the show notes for her website as well to learn more about the program she offers. Candice and I are both on the B Podcast Network, a podcast network for educators and leaders who are making innovative changes to education. So you can learn more about the other shows on the network at bpodcastnetwork.com. And finally, in this episode, I mentioned the School of Clinical Leadership, a program that helps related service providers take a stand for themselves as leaders on their team, as well as for their students. In the program, I help you create a comprehensive plan for putting executive functioning support in place on your school team by giving you the tools you need to influence your team as well as put a plan in place for yourself so that you can show up to work excited and confident that you're supporting your students. To learn more about the program, go to drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash clinical leadership. Now, please enjoy this interview with Candice Noss. Today, I am joined by Candice Noss, a physical therapist and life coach. So thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Karen. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. So I'm all about interdisciplinary collaboration and getting lots of different perspectives. And you are the first physical therapist that I've had on here. So I'm really excited about that. And I know you're doing so much amazing work that you were just sharing. And I was like, well... I'll let you, I'll let you take it from here and kind of share what you're, what you've done. I guess we could start off with, uh, as I said before, the hero's journey, because I know you have done quite a few things. So yeah, start from the beginning and and share what you're doing now. Absolutely. Well, as you mentioned, I'm a physical therapist. I've been a physical therapist since 2002, which, wow, over two decades now. And it's interesting because Oh, six years ago, six years ago, I had a 
a moment where I really had to reevaluate what was going on in my life and if I should continue on the same path that I was on. I had a, a problem. So I always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, but I always had to work. So physical therapy was a beautiful profession yeah. for me. It allowed me to work and um, also have the chance to be home. It was a great money-earning profession where I could you know, work the hours that I needed to, but still make the income possible. Mm -hmm. So after I had my sixth baby, six kids, yeah. <laughs> after I had my sixth baby, I know that's a lot. People yeah. think, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> after I had my sixth baby, I was able to be a stay-at-home mom. And I thought, awesome. This is what I've wanted my whole life. All my kids are here. I can finally be a stay-at-home mom. Everything is just coming together for me. And I should have been happy. But Karen, I was not happy. I hit one of the lowest lows I've ever hit in my whole life. I I wasn't being productive as a physical therapist, so I, I didn't have any contribution other than in the home, and I wasn't feeling fulfilled. I was very, very much overweight, and I couldn't figure out how to lose the weight. And being a physical therapist, that's not okay. Yeah, The body is my jam, yeah. right? I should know how to lose weight. I should know how to live a healthy lifestyle. I am a physical therapist. I mean, it's, it's my wheelhouse. Um, and I used all of that to beat myself up. And I had the worst self-talk you could probably ever imagine. I talked crap on myself to no end. I would look in the mirror and just start a tirade of rants about how horrible I looked and how awful I was and how no one would like me. And I was an idiot and I wasn't even doing anything or showing up in my life and it was awful. And I got to this place on my 40th birthday where I, I hit a, a pretty deep low and I had a decision to make whether I continue on this path or I shift. And I had a, a really powerful transcendent type of a experience, which allowed me to kind of see the way I was speaking to myself about myself. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I had to make a decision whether I was going to continue on this downward spiral into hell mm -hmm. <laughs> and that would lead to my own destruction truly, or whether I was going to stop and whether I was gonna take control of myself and live into who I knew I was supposed to become. So I made, I made a promise to myself in that moment that I would stop the negative self-talk and that I would start to figure out how to learn to love myself. And through miracles and tender mercies, I found life coaching and it shifted everything for me. Um, you know, I, as a physical therapist, I worked with thousands of patients who were doing the exercise, who were watching their caloric intake, yet they couldn't lose the weight. And it didn't make any sense to me. But once I found life coaching and I figured out the brain piece of the human trifecta, Mm -hmm. It all came together. And what I found in life coaching, I began to apply to myself. And I lost 10, 20, 30 pounds. I was ecstatic, 40, 50. I lost 60 pounds. And at that point, I knew I had to share this with the world. I knew I had to help other people understand it's not just about your body. And it's not just about your spirit. It's also about your mind. And that's how I began the mind, body, spirit trifecta my business. Wow. Yeah. I have been to physical therapy probably mm, over 10 times. So for various things. So I can right. certainly appreciate the, the mindset piece, because I just remember being 
so frustrated with it, you know, where it's like, why is this not working? And then you go to one therapist and you go to another therapist. And I'd say that of all of the therapies, physical therapy is probably the one I've had the most of. And yeah, (laughs) I mean, you can be so focused on just drilling and doing the work, but if you don't know how to handle the mental aspect, I, I mean, it really does impact the energy that you bring to all of those other things. And it does impact the behavior too. Oh, it's, it's essential. In fact, I would, I would dare say the mental component, the mind piece of the whole trifecta is the one that can overrule all of it. Because if you're not the boss of your brain, then all of a sudden you're not loving your body and you're not in tune with your spirit. It starts with our thoughts. And the powerful thing is that our thoughts create our feelings every time. And our feelings are the fuel by which we operate from. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's interesting. My daughter, actually, she put diesel in our four-wheeler that requires unleaded fuel. Oh, and okay. I can tell you, if you're trying to drive a four-wheeler on diesel fuel, it does not work. It shuts down. You have to siphon out the gas, change the spark plugs. I mean, it's awful, mm-hmm. but that's what it's like when we try to operate our life from, like you were saying, frustration. It's like trying to drive off diesel fuel. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And we have a hundred percent control over that by the thoughts that we choose to think. Yeah. And that is powerful. Yeah. So I know what I wanted to talk about like who you work with, what you do, but I can see so many ways that this could apply to people working in healthcare and education, just because the, the work that we do is so emotional. Like we're trying to change humans who have major, like a major issue that they're coming to us with. And we have to be the ones that are regulating and being the calm presence for them. And if, we can't do that for ourselves, then it's really hard to do that for other people, whether it's we're the therapist and it's our patients, or then we go home and it's with our family and kids and all of those pieces. So uh, I guess, so who do you, what do you typically help people with now and what are they coming to you for? And then I'd love to go into some specifics about how this could apply for, you know, a lot of the people listening and things that they might be dealing with. Absolutely. I I help a whole variety of people. My body love weight release program is probably my most popular program. And that is just for people who are stuck in a rut, especially women who know that they have more in life. They know that they're made for more. They know that they can make goals happen, but they're just not, and they're stuck. And that program has become amazing for those kind of women. And in fact, I took so many women through that program and they wanted it for their kids, but they didn't want it to be about weight release. Yeah. So they <laughs> through the they asked me over and over again. So then I finally created a conquering confidence course that is not based on a weight release goal, but which is based on whatever goal the person is working toward. And that conquering confidence course is a one-on-one program where we really dive into universal truths and natural laws that once we understand and, and are able to use for our benefit, create beautiful miracles in our life, allow us to live an elevated life, right? Where we mm-hmm. are fully thriving. Um, I have a spiritual series where I get into um, the spiritual senses and how to really tap into that 
that realm, which is really fun. And I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I love speaking. I have speaking engagements all the time, which is really powerful. Um, my main message is that you are designed for greatness. You have worth and it's set and it's infinite and it's nothing that you can earn or lose, but it is just innate. And once you own your divine greatness, then you can use that to elevate this world, to go out there and serve others. And it's, it's a powerful place to come from when you absolutely love yourself and you own your gifts and strengths and you use that to serve the world. I know that you, you mentioned when we were talking before that this can really be applied to leadership in yes. lots of different ways. So what, what ways are you using this kind of work to help people who are in a position and they want to emerge as a leader, or maybe they are in an official leadership role? Yeah. So I call it the confidence catalyst. And what happens is we have to build the confidence within us first. And then once we elevate who we are as a person and our confidence, then we can bring that to our team and elevate our team. And that is where I see the huge transformations in leadership happening. It is first an internal. Um, Thomas Jefferson has a quote and it says, the, it says, happiness in life is all about the internal journey to know oneself and the external journey in service to others. Mm -hmm. And there truly is that internal journey to know yourself and to love who you are and to figure out how to show up in alignment with the best parts of yourself. And then to use that to then in your external journey, serve others and serve those that you lead and help them do that for themselves. So I do that in a lot of ways, but um, teaching universal truths and understanding those on all levels and then allowing them to use that in their daily life. It's a game changer. Yeah. Well, and I imagine that there are probably like when you think about those, those rules or those truths and people come to you with little things that seem different, like I, I everybody kind of thinks, oh, my problem is super unique and, you know, nobody else is going through what I am. And, and that's true to some extent, but I bet I'm that you see patterns where it's, you know, common, common places where people get trapped or get stuck in thinking a certain way. So I'd love to, for people who are in a position where they're caring for someone else. So this could be a therapist who is helping a family or a client, a parent who's helping their child. And, you know, for example, let's say that there's a, there's a child who is in a classroom and they're having a behavior problem. And it's like, why can't, like the teacher feels like they have no control over the situation. Um, maybe they feel like they're not getting support from their leadership or they're not getting support from their team or the parents. And um, they don't feel like they have control over the class. I mean, what kinds of things could be going on from a self-talk perspective yes. in that kind of a situation? Yes, absolutely. I love this question because there's so much we can dive off from here. Yeah. So first of all, what you mentioned, the self-talk, if the, if the teacher, at the, the therapist at this point is thinking, I'm in over my head, I don't know what to do here, I have no control, this, this child is, is crazy, you know, if, if that's the type of self-talk, that will lead to the feeling of um, insecurity, 
of failure, of overwhelm. And again, that's driving your four-wheeler on diesel fuel. That will not serve you and it will sabotage the whole entire situation. But the power and the privilege that we have is the agency to choose our thoughts. And our thoughts are upstream of everything. So if we realize that our emotion is one that's not serving us, so it's a low frequency emotion like overwhelm, we'll say. At that point, we can, we can recognize, oh, no wonder I'm operating in overwhelm right now and that's gonna lead to failure every time. What do I wanna operate from? What is a more high frequency emotion, a higher vibration emotion that will allow success to occur here in this classroom? And maybe, maybe what the emotion is, is confidence. I'm the perfect one for this. Mm-hmm. And once mm-hmm. you're in that place of confidence, your thought creates your feeling, your feeling then generates your action. You, you begin to figure out what you can control. Is there a way to change the environment? So in your bag of tricks, what is acceptable right now that will help? And as you approach it from that confidence, it's beautiful. So in that scenario, the universal truth that we used was, I call it CTFAR. You have a circumstance, then you have a thought about that circumstance, which then triggers a feeling, which then triggers the action, which then triggers the result. So that is what I would teach, the CTFAR principle, which then you can change and intentionally get to a different place. Mm -hmm. The other principle that I would point out in this scenario is the universal truth, that which you focus on expands. So when you understand that which you focus on expands, if you're focusing on the negative, you're focusing on the lack of control, you're focusing on how you're not taking, doing a very good job right now, you're focusing on how horrible the the child is acting, those things will begin to get bigger because that's what you're putting your energy into. So if you can take a step back and focus on the things that you can control, And really, when it comes down to it, the things that we can control are our own thoughts, our own feelings, our own actions, the way we choose to grow. That's it. That's the only things we can control. So when things are getting out of control, where is your focus? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are you doing? And how can you shift that to be more intentional to serve you? Yeah, that is really like with the, I get questions like, for example, this, this child, I can't get him to finish his writing assignment. Like I can't, you know, make him do it. Or I told my principal that I need help with X and they didn't do it. And there's this whole cause and effect thinking, like I did something that involved this other person and the other person didn't do what I wanted them to do. So it didn't work. So there's that trap that I've seen people get into where with it, with the child, it's, well, you can't make them do anything. You can't make your principal do anything. You might be able to influence the situation, but you can't make anybody do anything that's not in your control. Right. Yeah. I, so if we're all up in other people's business, which is their thoughts, their feelings, their actions, we have no control there. We end up living anxious lives. We play the victim, the villain, the savior, or the people pleaser, and we're completely outside of our lane and outside our zone of influence. Mm -hmm. But there is a little sweet spot between our business and other people's business where we can offer, where we can share experiences, where we can give insights. Um, And in that little, that little sweet zone between the two, that's actually where we have the most influence if we come at it from a place of love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think with the, 
it's it's hard when things are getting very emotional, especially with a child who does not have, you know, their their brain is not developed yet. You have to be the one doing the regulating in that situation and providing the modeling. And, you know, I, I always tell people it's like you can allow the consequence to happen. And yeah, over time, that's when you're going to have the influence. But in that moment, maybe the the most powerful thing that you can do is allow them to not finish their assignment. And, yeah. you know, you you allow it to happen. And then that over time can have the influence that you want. I'm going to take a quick break here to talk about the School of Clinical Leadership. Candace and I have been talking about how when we have kids who are avoiding things, who are not getting their work done, who are showing some behaviors, that sometimes the most powerful thing we can do is allow them the opportunity and the space to make choices, to solve problems on their own, but do it in a way that is supportive and models the right behaviors. It can be really tricky to know how to do this in a way that gives kids enough support without making them prompt dependent. And that's part of what I help you do in the School of Clinical Leadership. The School of Clinical Leadership is a program that helps related service providers like speech pathologists, psychologists, social workers, counselors, and other interventionists on school teams to put executive functioning support in place. So part of this process is about understanding the interventions you can do for kids But another part of that process is understanding how to put the right programming in place. And that has to do with how we form relationships and collaborate with the adults. So Candace and I are about to get into that part of the conversation here where we talk about how we can have influence with other people and start to have conversations that allow us to build those relationships that can help us to have an impact on our clients and the way that things are done in our facilities. So I give you some tangible tools for making all of this happen in the School of Clinical Leadership. To learn more about how you can become a member, go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash clinical leadership. Now let's get back to the interview. It's a little bit easier when you think, okay, here's a child, you know, we're here, we care about the kids, but then when we're working with the other adults, especially when we're working with adults that we feel have control or power that we don't have. So for example, you're a therapist and you have a supervisor that you report to that makes decisions about things at your job, things like productivity requirements or how caseloads are arranged and, you know, how resources are allotted in the building and all of those types of things. And people want to advocate for themselves, for their students. And I think that a lot of times in the helping people professions, you feel like I could be doing more. I could be making more impact. There's that gray area between, okay, what can I actually do from an actionable standpoint of my thoughts and then what that leads to versus when is my job done and advocacy? I mean, do you have people who are working through things like that? Well, absolutely. You've spurred a lot of thoughts for me. Um, There's a couple of things that I would love to address. First of all, establishing that relationship Mm -hmm. is key and it's vital if we're going to create any type of transformation or change. 
like you were saying, if you get into those emotional conversations where they're not doing what you wanted them to do yeah. and you feel the, like the shackles start to rise, mm -hmm. right. And you, you know, you're getting a little bit, a little bit heated emotionally. This is another thing that comes up a lot is advocacy and political lobbying and, uh, you know, how our professional organizations support us um, and what they're doing for us. It's, you know, all these things about like what other people are doing and asking for help and support from your boss, your organization, your coworker, like how do you help people navigate those kinds of things with the influence versus forcing something to happen? Right. Well, I think, again, it's about relationships and that what you focus on. Um, if you can create the relationships and then focus on the good, that what you focus on expands. So we're trying to change the way someone's thinking, feeling and acting. That's their business. Mm -hmm. But we also have a stewardship or we also have a responsibility in the way something turns out. So we have a vested interest in what they do. Right. So then there, mm -hmm. there becomes this need for a compassionate conversation. And the way that I propose that works the very best is, first of all, you sandwich it with love. You start out with, you know, I am so appreciative that you're in this position, really am happy with the, the, the relationship we have, and I'm really looking forward to what we can accomplish together. However that looks like, start with, with love. Mm -hmm. And then in the conversation, the tricky part, part is you have to stay within, I call it the four C's, compassionate, curious, confident, and calm. Mm -hmm. If you can stay in those four C's, you express your thoughts, your feelings, your actions. You ask them to express their thoughts, their feelings, their actions. Why are they doing what they're doing? Help me understand. Um, I love the mantra. I get curious, not furious. I get mm -hmm. fascinated, not frustrated. I seek to understand, not reprimand. Those are some powerful mantras that I try to live by in that compassionate conversation. And hopefully in that in that communication, we're able to then come to a, an agreement on something where they can at least see where we're coming from. And at the end of the day, we, we sandwich it with love on the other side and it comes down to whatever they desire to choose, that is their prerogative. We cannot mm -hmm. control them. It helps, or at least it helps me. So one of the things that I have tried to get into my self-talk is what is my job? Like, what is my role here? Because then once you've done your job, which is what you can control, then you're done. You don't have to do anything else. Anything else that you might devote to that situation outside of that, whatever that specific interaction is not a good use of time because you're trying to control something that you can't control. Now, obviously, if you have a relationship with that person, you might be doing some things ongoing, but maybe that scenario is, is done. Right. Well, and I think when people get a little bit out of their out of their lane is when they're trying to play the savior. Oh yeah. And they're trying to fix everything. Mm -hmm. And and truly, it is not our job to fix everything. What about okay, so another place. So I we talked about the kids, um, we talked about working with adults at work. And then there's this other place where people tend to go for help, which is social media. And mm -hmm. you know, at first it was great. There's all these online discussion groups where, you know, you're at work and you need some support. So you can go here and there's this whole group of clinicians or teachers or whatever 
where you're sharing research articles and discussing. And it started off awesome. And then now it's kind of, there are some other things that aren't so awesome about those groups. <laughs> um, you know, we'll, we'll say that. And how do I say this? Where it's, it's again, the what, like, what is it that is, is useful for me to do in this situation? Um, and that is something that I find myself talking about a lot because when it's, when it's social media, I think that there's this, it's like somebody says something that you don't like, or that you don't agree with. And I still find myself every day being like, wait, no, it's not my job to convince some random person on Facebook about whatever. I mean, if it's on my social media profile, then maybe I'll respond to it. But just the idea of like, what are my choices in this situation and what is productive? I'm curious if that ever comes up for any of your people that you're working with. Absolutely. I think there's that innate gut glitteral response to take something that someone says and be like, oh, no, no, that's not right. I'll tell you what's right. And when it's social media, you're you're a little bit distant. So it's not like they're going to come beat you up or anything. So people feel yeah. a little bit more emboldened. Or they're not your boss, you know, or. Yeah, yeah. But the truth of the matter is we're not going to change people's thoughts, feelings and actions, especially when we come from that kind of an energy. Yeah. So if it's for me, if it's a relationship that you care about, that you want to, you know, improve then go ahead. But remember, there's that sweet spot between my business and and other people's business where you can offer, you can educate, you can share experiences, you can hold space. Um, But whatever they decide to do with whatever you offer, invite or or educate with is their prerogative. And oftentimes, especially on social media, it, it could go, you know, from one extreme to the other. So the tricky thing is you can't make their judgments mean anything about you. Yeah, you can't make it mean anything about you. And that's, that's the, the secret. Mm-hmm. Well, and that is um, when, when you are, if you have an online presence, that gets even trickier because part of how you do your marketing is online and you might be a host for a group. Like I'm a, a Facebook administrator for a couple online groups and I interact with in some of those groups. And there's just been some really interesting scenarios that I've seen come up where people, um, maybe they don't like how somebody else is handling their Facebook group. And, you know, it's the conversation of, well, yes, it's within our profession. And there is this, uh, you know, idea of we want to advocate for our profession. But at the same time, if you don't own the group, where does, where does it end? You know, where does your role in advocating for your profession end? And, and it's just, you know, not your business to go and, you know, talk about how people are interacting on in their Facebook group or on their own social media profile. And so that is something that is, um, it's kind of an interesting conversation that comes up in professional groups because, you know, we're, we're clinicians and we're, we want to educate the public and protect them from misinformation. But at the same time, you know, like you can only control so much. And I think that's where boundaries get in. And I think yeah. it's really important that you understand how to set a boundary mm-hmm. and, um, to set a boundary, it always, you always do it from a place of love. You don't ever do it to punish somebody or to, to get back at someone. It's always, 
I'm setting this boundary so that I can stay in a place of love with you so that I'm not in hatred or anger or enmity. I, mm-hmm. I want to stay in a place where I, I respect you and you respect me. So there's three parts to this, to a boundary. First, you state the request. I would appreciate it if you don't verbally attack people on my Facebook group, yeah. right? Or whatever the request is. I don't know exactly what the problem yeah, is. That's a good example. Number mm-hmm. two. Yeah. And then the second part of the boundary is if you do this, this is the consequence. Mm-hmm. If you verbally attack people, I'm going to remove you from the group. And then the third piece of a boundary is that you follow through. Mm-hmm. The people that do, you then kick them off. But when you set appropriate boundaries, it helps people stay in their lane. When they're trying to play the villain, I'm going to teach them a lesson, right? When they're trying to play the savior, oh, I'm going to fix this for you. I'm going to teach you all this. I'm going to fix it for you. You just have to do what I say. You have to think how I think. You have to feel mm-hmm. what I'm telling you to feel, right? Like, yeah. When they're getting in our lane, once we set that clear boundary, it helps them understand, oh, whoops. Oh, okay. And and I think sometimes people just need a little bit more awareness. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen people when I've seen that happen and then people get upset when people follow through with, uh, you know, what they said would happen. But the interesting thing is that some people might, you know, agree with that person who's upset, but then there are other people who recognize what happened as well. And that's, that's another thing where it's, you can't control what other people think you can only control what you do and how you show up. And, um, yeah, you know, being okay that not everybody's going to like you and agree with, with what you do. Isn't that liberating? I feel like that's the most liberating thing. Like every, not everybody's for me and Mm -hmm. that's okay. Yeah, not everyone's gonna like me. There's a saying that's out there, meme on, I don't know, Instagram or somewhere. It's like, you could be the juiciest peach in the whole entire world. And there's just some people who don't like juicy peaches. It says everything about them and nothing about you. Mm-hmm. And, and truly, you attract your tribe. And if they're not your people, that's okay. They'll find yeah. their people, you'll find yours. Fly your freak flag, right? Like, right. have your tribe, yeah. And I think with clients too, you know, with, with what we were saying about, you know, having the the conversation with, with the student or even the, another adult where it's the same conversation about boundaries, where it's, you know, this is, you know, if this happens, this is, this is the consequence. And then it doesn't have to be mean. It does, you don't have to be yelling at them. It can just be calmly communicated and just yeah. followed through on. And then, you know. That's, I agree. I think that's like the difference between forcing and allowing people assume that if you are allowing your, there's no consequences and boundaries, but no, you can do the boundary. That's part of, that's part of the process. Right. I, I see it as like a seesaw yeah. teeter totter right? on one side is like corporal punishment. You will do it this way with the yeah. flipping of the whip, right? right. And on the other side of the seesaw is complete indulgence. Like do whatever you want. I don't care. I'm just going to sit here on the couch and get, you know, lazy, mm-hmm. whatever, do whatever. Right. And you can't be on either of those extremes. Again, that, that magic middle is that place where you have consequences, but you do it from a place of transformational love. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm so, you know, that, that really is unfortunate that you have to now not be part of this Facebook group. Um, but I love you anyway, and I hope you find the best place. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be mean. I think that's something you can even say to clients too. You know, if they, you know, this is, this is my process and this is, this is how, 
you know, I mean, we have an ethical responsibility to recommend things that are in clients' best interests. And if it's not for them, then that's their choice. I mean, we, I think I see that as important as well, because there's this whole, I don't know, kind of this confusing gray area of making it client focused. And it's, you know, you're not letting them do whatever they want. You're the therapist, you're guiding the process, but at the same time, they still have choices. Right. They have to buy into your expertise. They -hmm. have to buy in and trust that you have their best interest in mind, but you also have to grant them their agency. Mm -hmm. And I think when we try to force or control someone, one of our most vital needs of our spirit is to have agency to have that ability to choose for ourselves what we want. And when we feel that's threatened, then we drop into that protect mode right away. It's, it's not okay. Well, what is, I know that you talked a little bit about your process. Can you share a little bit about the, the trifecta? And then we can kind of wrap yes. up and share where people can, can reach out to you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the trifecta, I call it the mind, body, spirit trifecta, because there's three things, the three most important things, the three most powerful things that make us a human is our mind, our body, and our spirit. And I have um, a process which I have observed through patterns of, of clients and watching people and, and understanding what happens in order to transform and elevate. And the first thing that happens, I call this my trifecta transformation system. The first thing is you have to gain knowledge and become aware of something. So it's really important that we educate, that we have something to teach to teach people because you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the first step. So the second step to then, once you have that new knowledge is to accept where you were, not beat yourself up for it, but process whatever comes up with that new knowledge and, and process those emotions and accept it. And from there, the next step, step three is to then set an intention and make a plan based on that new knowledge and awareness that you've gained. And as you set that plan, you make a plan and then you take action on that plan as the fourth step, you show up for you. You say, I'm gonna do this. And then you do that and you show up for you and you start building that relationship with you where you know you can count on yourself to do what you say you're going to do. And as you then take massive action, you create something different in your life, then you analyze your results, you analyze what happens along the way, which in that analyzation process, you again gain more awareness and knowledge, which continues the cycle that just keeps going upward toward becoming more and more like your best self. And the ways that you do this are in your mind, in your body and in your spirit. So the goal is to live with a mind that's firmly aligned, which means you are the boss of your brain, which means your thoughts actually serve you. You're thinking about what you're thinking about, and those thoughts land you in a place of progression. You live with a body that's purposefully loved, which means you listen to your body. You fuel it correctly. You love it. You give it what it needs. You take care of it. If it needs rest, you rest. If it needs exercise, you exercise, right? You listen to and love your freaking amazing body because it's your gift. It's what houses your mind and your spirit. It's your vehicle, right? It's your tool to do the work that you are sent here to do on this earth. Your body is so important. And then your spirit powerfully accessed. And when you live with a spirit that's powerfully accessed, you're able to own that you are amazing, that you have that that worth inside of you, that you have special gifts and talents that you can then use to serve this world. 
when you live with the spirit powerfully accessed, you understand that our spirit needs connection, contribution, and growth. And you do those things that help you connect and contribute and grow. And it's it's all an incredibly powerful process. Yeah, the 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 thoughts that is um, something I am always working on. Um, you know, you, if you have if your brain likes to search for things to worry about noticing that can be, can be huge, especially if you're like, Oh wait, whoops. Um, it's not an emergency. I'm just checking my email. It's fine. You know, when you were saying that earlier, it was like, wait, no, this isn't, it's not a crisis. I just have a lot of Facebook comments to respond to, or I just have a few more messages than normal, you know? Yes. Well, and, and it takes being vigilant because our brains they're hardwired for our lower brain to drive mm-hmm. and our lower brain will sabotage us every time with the extreme survivalism, tribal paranoia and natural man tendencies. It's, it's all got that negativity bias. Mm-hmm. So like wearing your retainer, I don't know if you've ever had braces, yeah. but mm-hmm. yeah. And what happens if you don't wear your retainer? Yeah. Your teeth go back. Yeah. See, this is why I got this going on down here. <laughs> I know. I had to get braces again as an adult. I was like, are you kidding me right now? I had headgear. I had all the crap growing up. Uh, but that's what we have to do with our brain or else they go back to that default mode where the lower brain drives mm-hmm. and that will sabotage us. It will lead to a life of, of struggle and survival mode. Yeah. Well, where can people go to connect with you and learn more about what you do? Yeah, I have my website is www.candisnoss.com and it's Candice like ice ice baby and mm-hmm. ice ice baby. <laughs> so C-A-N-D-I-C-E-N-O-S-S.com. I have a podcast on the B Podcast Network. It's called Designed for Greatness with Candice Noss. And pretty much anything that you need to know, you can get on my website. But I have a weekly email that I put out called Thankful Thursday. And it's just a little boost of inspiration, some things that I'm learning and and grateful to share and a little bit of gratitude. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. Ah, Thank you. This has been wonderful. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to check the show notes for all the places you can go to connect with Candice, to listen to her podcast, to check out her free video on, to check out her self-talk video, and to learn about her programs and services. Also, don't forget to check out the School of Clinical Leadership, my program that helps related service providers take a stand for themselves as leaders on their team, as well as for their students when it comes to providing executive functioning support across their day. In the program, I help you create a comprehensive plan for both direct service delivery, as well as making an impact on your team. To learn how to become a member, go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash clinical leadership. As always, it helps me so much if you leave me a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you have a suggestion for a guest or if you're interested in being a guest on the show, please send me an email at talktome at drkarenspeech.com. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time.
Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE.